to uh, make this all come about. Glad that you're here this morning. I something we did a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, and and uh, we talked about the nameless heroes and those people who are mentioned uh, in the scripture. Sometimes they're not even they're, sometimes they're not even named. Like I asked the people, I said, "Who was? What was the name of the boy that provided the loaves and fishes?" at the miracle of the feeding of the thousands. <clears throat> Lad was his name. Nobody knows his name. And in two of the Gospels, his, he, a boy is not even mentioned at all. It's just the loaves and the fishes. It's only one of the Gospel writers that even cared to write that there was a lad there with a lunch that provided the fish. But as a result of somebody giving up his lunch, people, thousands of people were fed. The no names of, of the Bible is interesting. Last Sunday, we, we talked about the story of Joseph, a story of a hero, and he is very popular, but, and I'm going to give kind of a PS about that message, and then I'm going to talk about uh, just faces in the crowd, and uh, how we're going to relate to this is because you and I are just faces in the crowd. Yes, God knew that we would be here. Yes, God, uh, you know, knew we was going to receive him. But uh, other than, and beyond that, we're just spectators and faces in the crowd. We'll probably never, uh, you know, some of us, Pastor Mike wrote, wrote a book, uh, or maybe get some more books written, but most of us are not going to be listed on some marquee somewhere. We're just faces in the crowd. <clears throat> we're players, just players in, in the process of what God is doing. But I want to encourage you today, what you do is very important. Just as some of the people I'm going to share uh, in this story. Now, Palm Sunday is all about the triumphant entry into Jerusalem that began the Passion Week, and what we celebrate is the Passion Week or the last week of the Lord's life. And since Joseph is an Old Testament type uh, of Christ, let me give you a glimpse into the Passion Week, how it's portrayed in Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 45 and verse 4, and Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, does selling someone for money sound familiar in the, in the passion story? Because someone in the crowd of Jesus sold him out for silver, correct? But now he goes on to say, do not, therefore, in verse 5, but now do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, in order to give you some understanding, because they betrayed him, his own family, his, his brothers betrayed him. And as a result of his betrayal, he became the agent of saving grace to, his, to those. And it is interesting, those people that was responsible for crucifying him, even point when he was betrayed, uh, he was going to be the agent of their salvation. No, verse 7 says this, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The cross is a symbol of a great deliverance. And when he started this last week of his life, he knew he was headed toward the cross. And he just simply told them, God sent me before you. How many knows that 
That's John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God sent him before. And verse 8 says, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father. He has been exalted and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. You might say from the pit to the palace. Brad gave me a book several months ago about the life of Joseph. This was a type of that Passion Week, that triumphant entry when uh, he was betrayed, sold out, exalted uh, to save and be in order to, uh, as an instrument of salvation for his people. Let me give you a, a, a scriptural fact to help us out, okay? And you, you put this down, and those of you that are journaling, you need to, to put this down. And the reason you need to put this down is so that your faith will not waver when stuff comes your way. It, now, if you, if you don't, you need to get some word down in your heart because when stuff comes, you need something to stand on. And let me, let me say this. I'm going to say it slow. Sometimes God uses evil deeds of people to further his own plans. Let me run that by you again. Sometimes, write it down in your Bible or in your journal. Sometimes God uses the evil deeds of people to further his own plan. He used the evil deeds of the priests and the Levites and Judas and all those people. He used those evil deeds of those people to further his, his, his plan in the earth. You say, why in the world would he do that? Listen, that in his plans, he knew that evil men would, rebe- would revolt against Jesus. And so he used their plans. They thought they would really do it away with something. They were going to do away with him. They, they were playing right into the hands of God. Putin thinks he's doing his own thing. Now, how many knows who Putin is? Russian prime minister. He thinks he's doing his own thing. He's the puppet. And though he may think he's doing his own thing, I'm telling you behind it all, he, God is working and using his evil deeds to further his cause in the kingdom and his plan in the earth. So put this down. It's a scriptural fact. Notice what Paul writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. We are, our mind, well, you know, we're, we're puzzled, but not in despair. Some of you might be going through some stuff now, and you're wondering, why in the world? Uh, what's going on? I'm telling you, listen, I'm not, don't be perplexed. God is still working His plan. He has not left us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But I, so don't be in despair, okay? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Amen? Struck down, that's a, that's a picture of the fight. We've been knocked down. Ever been, anybody ever been knocked down before? Spiritually, you ever been knocked off your feet? Yeah, you know what happens? But not destroyed. I, I'm getting back up. That's exactly what Christians do. Knowing that the things that we face in this life, sometimes uh, the deeds of evil people uh, turn out to be a divine appointment in God's plan for your life. On this Palm Sunday, let me give you the story about a face in the crowd, a bit player, just a passerby. You may not, you may have heard of him, but you don't know his story. A few weeks ago, we talked about these kind of people, just out of curiosity. Now, those of you that was here on Wednesday uh, probably remember, how many here knows who Vashti is? 
You was here on Wednesday, right? You know who Vashti is? <clears throat> Vashti is, was a young woman who may, may have not been a believer, but she was a model of virtue and morality. And because of her stand uh, in resisting the king, uh, there would have never been an Esther without this lady. Nobody would ever, there would have been no book of Esther, there would have been nobody to save the Jewish nation, but for a young lady with convictions and morals that said no to the king. Nobody, everybody's heard of Queen Esther, but nobody heard of Vashti. But before Esther was Vashti, a woman who made a decision, I am not going to do what that king is telling me to do and stood for virtue. How many's heard about Jochebed? One. Jochebed. Now that is a, you know, you think, who in the world? That is a woman's name. In fact, when I wrote that down on my, on my computer, the computer says, that's a misspelled word. My computer didn't even know who she was. Without her, without her, the first five books of the Bible would not have been written. Her marvelous acts of faith, she should have been listed in Hebrews chapter 11. But because of her great faith, uh, a man was spared and allowed to grow in a particular place that was a result and was a leader who delivered millions of people out of bondage. She was Moses' mother. She's not even listed until you get to Exodus chapter 6. And then, then she is not recognized. Oh, by the way, oh, by the way, this is the one who set Moses free and, and made the, the ark of bulrush and set him free on the Nile. It's just she just listed in the genealogy of Moses and his brother. But the, her name is not mentioned in the very fact, but without her, there's no Moses. Without her, in fact, her faith, her faith, she released Moses into the river, and because of her great faith, the, the queen found him, gave him back to Marion, and she was allowed to raise her own son until he was weaning age. I'm telling you, it, but it is a fabulous story. And she took those months that she nursed and, and, and fed that young Hebrew boy and began to tell him the, the stories of Zion and the stories about God, Jehovah, and instilled a faith in that young man at an early age. What is that to us? That's, I'm telling you, Mom, you are the one that can instill faith in your children. She may have been a, a faceless person in the crowd, just like the rest of us faceless people in the crowd, but you can still instill faith in people. There are a lot of faces in the crowd during Passion Week. Let me ask you a question. What is the name of the owner of the donkey the disciples stole or borrowed? What was the owner's name? Nobody knows. They're not even listed. They're, they're not even listed. Actually, there was more than one owner, evidently, of the colt. In some places, only in one gospel is it mentioned that the owners were there when they released the colt. Their names are not mentioned. Who, who they are, where they are, whatever, their name is not mentioned. But without them, there's no colt. Without them, there's no fulfillment of prophecy because they, you say, well, God could have. Yeah, God, God has plan B. But what I'm trying to say to you today is it because of us faceless people who are just simply faithful in doing what God has called us to do on an everyday basis. You never know when you're going to be a part of a miracle 
just simply being faithful to God and taking advantage of an opportunity. This week I've heard that people, there's been a couple of people, uh, one texted me earlier in the week that she was, uh, you know, involved in a divine appointment. Later on in the week, somebody else told me about a divine appointment in their life. Faceless, nameless people in the course of life that take advantage of the divine appointments and only heaven will know the results of us being faithful. Here I have another one. How about the man carrying the water pot that they followed to find the upper room? What was his name? You say, well, they could have found the upper room uh, some other way. I'm sure they could have. But in the, in, the, in the light of history, we find out that somehow Jesus wanted this man. When you go into the city, you'll see a man carrying a water pot. Now, for those of you don't, that don't understand, uh, you would think, well, how in the world could they separate it all out? Men carrying water pots was very unusual. Carrying water pots was a demeaning job. It was for women. Women, that's the reason you don't get paid as much as men. That's another story. Get into politics. <laughs> get a hold on to security, Raymond. You might move, move closer. What was his name? Nobody knows his name. And I don't even know if he knew he was being used of the Lord. But he was just faithfully doing his job, a job that was actually demeaning to him, but he was faithfully there carrying that water pot. He was so faithful to that that God, that Jesus knew that, listen, when you go into the city, you're going to meet that man. Why? Because he was there every day doing that same job faithfully. And as a result of that, Jesus could use him. That's an awesome story. That faceless person in the crowd, involved, bit players, involved in the greatest event in history, yet unnamed. Let me introduce you to a man named Simon. He became a judge on a show, American Idol. No, only kidding. Not scratch that. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 32, check this out. Now, he's only mentioned, he's mentioned in three of the Gospels. Some of you know him, but do you know the rest of the story? Matthew writes of him, Now as they came out, they found a man of Serene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Mark chapter 15, verse 21, we find a little more information about him. It's interesting that his Gospel writers gives him one verse. Then they compelled, Mark chapter 15, verse 21 says, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Ruth. You find out he's married, he has a couple of boys. As he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear the cross. He did not live, notice he didn't live in the area. And he was just passing by. In your course this next week, you're going to be passing by somebody. An opportunity is going to be given to you. Now, the opportunity that he got was not one by, will you do this? The word compelled is an understatement. A big Roman soldier grabbed this guy, said, you're going to do this. Now, we don't, God doesn't deal with us that way today. Sometimes I wish he would. Luke writes of him, Luke 23, verse 26. And I want you to remember the, the picture that this one paints. Now as they lead him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, 
who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. That is a picture verse there, and we'll come back to that. He was a face in the crowd. He was, you ever heard the old saying, he was in the right place at the wrong time. He was just coming into the city. Five minutes earlier, he would have missed it. Five minutes later, he would have missed it. He didn't live in Jerusalem. He was not a citizen of Jerusalem. He was from a different locality. He personally probably knew very little about Jesus because he lived so far away. He did not live anywhere close. He lived some 900 miles away in a country called Libya. He had been traveling for days just to get there. Someone said he, must, he had to travel at least 30 days to get there. He was just coming in. Now, he might have heard bits and pieces about the life of Christ and what, you know, he might have heard some rumors, but he had absolutely no knowledge of what was going on or what he was about to get into. And sometimes as we relate to this story, that's exact. You don't know what you're going to get into this week. You have no idea what, what, what this week is going to bring your way. Just like Simon, you're just kind of this bit player. Some 900 miles away, about 115 miles from the place we call Benghazi, off the coast of the Mediterranean. He had walked and maybe used boats to get there. He had possibly saved for years just to make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover. You might say it was probably in his bucket list. You see, he, he lived so far away and it was so expensive to travel that not everybody got a chance to go to Jerusalem. Some historians say there was over 100,000 people in Jerusalem during the Passover from all parts of the world. Now, these were folks that didn't get the opportunity to come every time. But when they did come, most of them had been saving all their life. And in their bucket list, they wanted to experience. How many remembers the bucket list movie? Things in your bucket that you want to experience before you die. Okay, this was his, in his bucket list, and he had saved, no doubt, for years for this journey just to be there in Jerusalem, the city of David, to see the, the temple uh, that, that was there, all of those things. That, write this down in your journal if you're keeping notes. In, a, in the space of a few moments, Simon went from being in the place he wanted to be to wanting to be anywhere else than where he was. <laughs> that ever happened to you? All at once, you're in a place that you wish you were just somewhere else. A passerby, a face in the crowd. From a face in the crowd, now get this, and I know we can read the story and, and, and we can understand it now, and it really doesn't bother us as bad as that moment in time when it was really happening. From a face in the crowd, just trying to get to the temple to be a part, you know, and to offer his lamb as a sacrifice, something he had dreamed for all of his life. From a face in the crowd, now all at once he's in, in the, involved in chaos. He's involved in shouts and cursing and sweat and crying and tears and soldiers yelling and men cussing and in front of him a man dying. In fact, the soldiers recognized, unless they didn't get somebody to carry this cross, Jesus would die before he got to Calvary. Cross was weighed some 300 pounds. And they realized they're going to need help carrying this cross. It was, wasn't something he chose to do. He was compelled. He was forced. 
he found himself involved in the greatest drama of human history. Remember I told you sometimes God uses the evil deeds of people to further his own plan? What seemed like a chance encounter turns out to be a divine appointment. You're going to have those opportunities in front of you. What seems like a chance encounter is going to turn out to be a divine appointment. Get this. For Simon, bearing the cross seemed like the worst thing that could ever happen to him. Why is that? Remember, he was there. He had saved for years uh, to be involved in the Passover process. But now, as a result of the blood that was on him, he had become unclean. And now, not only was he carrying the cross, and, and, and now he could not take place or a part of something that he had saved and dreamed about for years. He would not be able to sacrifice a lamb because he would be considered by the priest unclean because he had touched blood. And he wouldn't have a chance to go through the cleansing process to be made clean again. It was the worst case scenario that could happen for a person who had dreamed all of their life of doing this. Now, when you read this story, unless you know some of the history, you don't understand what's going on in this guy's life. He's carrying this cross, but in his mind he's saying, this destroys my whole dream of what I was here for. Someone this week is going to have a divine appointment at some point. Now notice between where he started, wherever it was he picked, I don't know how long far he carried it, but from the point he started carrying the cross to the top of Golgotha where he was crucified, something began to change in Simon's life. He was participating. Something, something was revealed to him that, yes, he had come to sacrifice a lamb for Passover, but something dawned on him. He was in part. He was a part of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Something began to dawn. I don't know if it was the way Jesus looked. I don't know if it was something Jesus said. I, as, he followed, as he followed Jesus and he carried the cross, something began to take place in his heart, and there was a revelation that came to him that this was not just a crucifixion. This was not just another uh, or some bad person being crucified but there was something special and unique about this. It might have been because the blood began to touch him. Maybe it was some, I don't know what brought the revelation, but something caused Simon to begin to believe that this was the Lamb of God. I don't know if it was on top of Golgotha when, when he dropped that cross and he stood there and began to listen to the words of this man said, I don't know, but at some point this man came to faith. He forgot about making his sacrifice. He forgot about the disappointment of being in the wrong place at the right time. He forgot all about that stuff. And, I, and he, for some reason, whatever it was, he came to faith. What was it that caused you to come to faith? Had to happen some, you may have not have carried a cross, but some, at some point in your past, you know what it was. At some point, there was something that triggered you to come to faith. You may not be able to explain it. 
You may not be able to kind of put a definition on it, but something brought you to the place, a full commitment to the Lord. Something, something happened. There was a revelation. It might have been through a witness. I, I, it might have been through hearing a message preached. It may be through hearing a testimony, but you came to faith in God. That's what happened to this man. Now, we know that something happened to him that day, but let me share with you the rest of the story. Acts chapter 2, verse 10. Now, <clears throat> he was probably not alone, uh, and he didn't probably make the trip by himself to Jerusalem. Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 10, you'll find out that when, when the day of Pentecost had fully come and the Holy Spirit fell, and they began to speak with other tongues, that there was people from, from countries around the world that were there. And you'll notice that there was people, there was, was a representation from Libya there. So not only did he stay for Passover, something happened. He hung around for the, for the Feast of, of, of Pentecost. And something happened to him, no doubt, that he was probably, as Peter, Peter began to preach, he was probably one of the ones that when Peter was preaching, uh, there, there was, there was a, a delegation that, that came to the Lord. It might have been then that he was baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Something happened to him. But let me give you the rest of the story. Romans chapter 16 and verse 13. In Paul's letter to the church. Remember the two sons that Simon had? Alexander and who? His family. Most historians write that this is probably part of his family that came to faith. You see, when he came to faith, he went back, and because the result of his faith and the change in his life, it affected his family, and they came to Christ. And when Paul writes to the Romans, he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord by Father in heaven. You think you came to the Lord just for yourself? God has a plan that goes beyond generations. He's a generational God. From generation to generation to generation. And so he said, you greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. The evidence points here to the fact that this Simon and his family became close personal friends of the Apostle Paul. And he probably spent time with their family, and they became leaders of the church in Rome. All because he was a face in the crowd, a passerby, someone who was in the wrong place at the right time. But all, he had a divine appointment. Even though he had come for a different purpose, God had a different purpose for his life and for his family. Wouldn't it be great to rub shoulders with the Apostle Paul and have him over at your house for dinner. That's what happened to this family as a result of someone being a faceless person in the crowd in the wrong place at the right time, just like every one of you and I experienced somewhere in the course of our lives, somebody brought us to faith. But let me ask you a question. Now, a lot of, a lot of people would say, ah, if I'd have been there, I'd have, get, I'd have gladly carried his cross. Yeah, you say that because you know the story. And we just kind of like Joseph. You know, hey, we, Joseph's story wasn't all that bad. 
Yeah, that's because you knew the story. But when Joseph's going through it, different story. And you say, and the same thing could be said. This we had, we you, you can identify with this guy. But let me ask you a question: If you would have been willing to carry that cross for Jesus that day, are you carrying a cross for him today? A lot of people carry crosses, jewelry around their neck. Some of them have it on their bumper of their car as they go around you and give you the California wave. Cross was nice on a bumper, and a cross looks really good around your neck or on your bracelet or in the form of a ring. But that's not the kind of cross that Jesus said that we were to pick up. Simon became a picture of what a disciple looks like. Remember I told you to remember that verse. Luke said he bore the cross after Jesus. That is a picture verse. Jesus in front. Here's Simon carrying his cross, and he's doing what? He's following Jesus. He's a picture of a disciple. It is a picture word. Notice what Mark chapter 8 Verse 34 and 35 says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. Years ago, there was a man with the name of Arthur Blessed. You know what he is known for? What is he known for? He carried that cross. He carried that cross across the United States and to many nations of the world. That cross weighed 90 pounds, and he had a little wheel on the back of it. And I don't know how many wheels he wore out carrying that cross. But that cross, and that's good that he did that. But that's not the kind of cross Jesus is talking about here. I mean, he, he, the, Arthur Blessed was the result of, man, he affected uh, many people's lives. But I'm telling you, if we'll pick up our cross, we can be the source of affecting many people's lives in our world. You don't have to drag a wooden 90-pound cross around town. What we have to do is carry a cross in our heart. Pick up. Your cross. See, everybody has a cross. Your cross isn't mine. But it just simply stands for self-denial and crucifying our flesh to do the will of God, no matter what that will may be. Do you carry the cross in your heart? Steffi, I want you to come. I want you to play. I want you to, to bow your head with me this morning. Today you may be a face in the crowd, a passerby. You may, you may have come this morning for whatever particular reason, a face in the crowd. Just came just to check it out, passing by.
but God has confronted you with a cross. Like Simon, the cross has been presented before you. Now, no, no longer do Roman soldiers compel people to carry the cross. Jesus just simply asked honestly and quietly for people to come to the cross. What does it mean by that? It means accepting Christ as your Savior. Coming to the cross. There's a lot of other symbols that will fade into history, lose their significance, but not the cross. All around the world, people are trying to get rid of it. There's one in San Diego that they tried to, in, in court, trying to get the permission to tear it down. It's been there for years and years and years, but they don't like it standing there anymore, so they're trying to do away with it. I go down Interstate 40, and somewhere out there in Texas, you can see it for miles away. It must stand 400 foot tall. And the closer you get, boy, that thing is huge. It's a cross. And you see people out there park gathering around it. You can exit, go out there, man, they beat the grass down. There's a parking lot there. No one has to tell them and those people who stop what that cross represents. They know you're a passerby. You're a face in the crowd. But God wants you to be a player in His program. What have you done with the cross? What have you done with the cross? Father, I pray this morning we're all just faces in the crowd. We're bit players and part players in your program. And today I want this church to realize that, that though we may not be listed in who's who, what we do with our life as a Christian matters. And the lives that we affect, we might not get the opportunity every day to do something for you, and we may not get the opportunity, but just once in a great while, to share our testimony God, in those times of divine appointment, it is important for us to be faithful and take opportunity for that moment. Because that moment is life-changing, just like it was for Simon that day. It was a life-changing experience. And some of us in this building today, this week, is going to meet, is going to meet some Simons along the way. And we'll be given the opportunity to touch a man's life that will touch a family's life, that can touch a community's life, that can touch a nation's life. We're not just a nobody, but we're somebody in your plan. Though nobody may know anything about us, we're willing to do what you have called us to do. May we receive this today, God. May we receive it today, God, the importance of the opportunities we have. What are you going to do with the cross?
Amen.